The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I was so surprised by how often I would be sitting with one of my girls and I would be reading them a book or just, you know, or nursing them or just sitting with them in the, in the rocking chair. And I would think so much about my own childhood and just being a kid. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the show. I am Kat. It sure is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. (laughs) We're in February. We're in February already. I hope the year has been good to you so far. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for all of those reviews. They're all really good and really nice. So I guess if you're listening, you are liking what you're hearing, or if you're not liking it, you care so little that you're not bothering to leave me a terrible review. So (laughs) I guess I'll never know. Today, we're talking motherhood. Today, we're talking about babies. Today, we're talking about all of the parts of us as women that it requires to be in that game, the mental part, the physical demands. I'm so happy to bring you a conversation with author, journalist, mother, wife, Katherine Schwarzenegger-Pratt. She has two kids, you guys, two under two. Well, one daughter who's just a little over two years old and a baby and she's nursing and she's in it. She is releasing her fifth book to date called Good Night Sister, which was inspired by her own sister being one of four children. Today we get into why family means so much to her, why writing books is cathartic for her. And we hear about her partnership with her big time movie star husband, Chris Pratt, how they carve out intimate time to connect, talk about their faith, work on their relationship, and just why, why that's so important. If you guys have little kids, you know, you know, sometimes it's just so easy to lose touch with your loved one that helped bring these kids into the world. And I have to say this whole conversation with Catherine just brought back so many memories for me, flooding, flooding memories of when my two boys were young. And listen, maybe some of you are here and you've followed me for the last 20 years, but if you haven't and you're new to the show and maybe you don't know a lot about my my life and my past, I have two boys, Austin and Orion, and hold up, wait a minute, get this. My baby boy, Orion the Lion, is turning 18 years old. As I am speaking to you now, in exactly 48 hours, my baby, my baby is 18. And I am so in my feelings, you guys. I've been looking through all these old photos and forget the piece that I am going to be an empty nester. An empty nester? What is that? Like, what is that phrase? What does that mean? And how can that possibly be me? Oh my gosh, like I'm so close in just a couple months, he's going to be going off to college. And so after talking with Catherine and just really revisiting some of those thoughts and memories about story time and when I would read to my kids and if you're listening and you're a mom then you know, you could be anywhere in this journey, but those years when your babies are babies 
are so special. Just thinking about that time in my life just brings back so many memories. So I had Austin was three and some change. I was married to their dad, Kyle. And I remember we had said, yeah, we should probably have another one. We should definitely have another one. And at the time I was working full time. I was in local news in Indianapolis back in my hometown. And God, we were so lucky because this was a, a time when, you know, I got pregnant really easily with Austin. And then we just said, we should probably have another one before Austin gets too old. If we're going to do this, let's get to this. And I remember we were in London. I was there for the first time, by the way. Best trip ever. There for a friend's wedding. We were having the time of our lives with all our college friends. You guys, I was 29. I was 29. And I remember so vividly being in the streets, literally probably falling out of a pub and being like, I don't feel so good. What's weird is I can remember what I was wearing and I even remember the bag I was carrying because it was like this big royal blue handbag. Probably the last time I did that was in the year 2004. <laughs> but I remember I didn't feel good. And I, God, I, especially then when I was younger, I just had a stomach of steel. I never, ever was nauseous except when I was pregnant with Austin, the worst morning sickness, I called it 24-hour sickness of my life. And I just had this guttural instinct. I was like, oh my God, I'm nauseous. And we've been on vacation. And I don't even know if it happens that fast, but sure enough, came home from our trip and learned that I was pregnant with Orion. And I just cannot believe that was more than 18 years ago. It was just a really special time. I remember it so well. My pregnancy with Orion was way better than my pregnancy with Austin, which if you don't know that story, I should probably share that with you at some point in detail. But I did have a lot of, a lot of nausea, a lot of sickness with Orion. But by all accounts, it was a a stable pregnancy, and the birth was really beautiful. And he was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, on February third, two thousand five. And he has just been such a joy in our life. If you will indulge me for just a minute, I mean, this is a kid who whistles all the time. I think that's like one of my favorite things about Orion is that he walks through the house and he he is always whistling. And as a parent, if like you just can imagine how that fills you up and gives you so much comfort. I find myself smiling. I'll just hear Orion and he'll just be whistling about his day. And I remember when he was a baby, my mom, my mom called it and she was really right. His energy, even at five or six months old was party baby. She's like, this is a party baby. Your kid is going to be a party baby because he was just so full of life, even as a little baby. And to look back at those pictures and now tie it all together with his personality and his interests, this is a kid who never sits still. He is one of the most active people I know. And he is just a seeker. I mean, he's water skiing. He is snow skiing. He is fishing. He is surfing. He's playing sports. Like he's moving all of the time. And he just has such an appetite for life and such a hunger to live. I think that's the word for Orion is like he is living every day. Like there's nothing stagnant about him. And he just has this beautiful, just authentic, quiet confidence about him. I think his friends and everybody really lean on him or look to him. He's a natural leader. Okay, so now I'm just sitting here bragging about my beautiful child who is turning 18 years old, but I remember when he was young, just to bring it a little full circle, I remember that being a difficult time. And 
for any of you moms out there with young kids, I just, I have so much respect for you and I so sympathize with the demands, the demands of life at that stage of life. I look back and I'm like, how did I do that? You guys, when Orion was a baby, I was doing a live morning show in Indianapolis, the Fox 59 morning news. It was a three-hour live show, which meant I had to be, be at the studio by 4.30 a.m. Mind you, I lived 30 minutes from the studio. And mind you, in Indiana, you get all the seasons. So my memories are snow on the car and defrosting my windshield and scraping it some days just to get out the door by 4 a.m. Now, mind you, when you have a new baby, uh uh-huh, I was nursing. So I just remember I would be nursing at 2 2 a.m., 2.30, getting in the shower, trying to get out the door. Don't wake up the other baby. You know, of course, Kyle was there. Thank God, such a wonderful father and support system. You know, we made it work. But we didn't have night nurses. We didn't have live-in nannies. I didn't have full-time help. I mean, those were the days of really trying to keep all of the balls in the air and and work and build a career. And, you know, also, by the way, local morning news, you don't have a makeup artist, you don't have wardrobe, you don't have a stylist, you don't have anybody doing your hair. So, I mean, there were many, many years that I was doing that. But then you add two babies under four. It was such a wild time. I remember being tired and you sleep-deprived moms out there. Catherine talks about this a little bit too. I mean, who doesn't if you have babies or toddlers? Sleep is like always a part of the conversation. Lack thereof, uh, sleep. Sleep Sleep was really, really hard to come by. I remember always being tired, and I remember being in my pajamas by five because I had to be in bed by 7.30 because I was doing this live morning show. I mean, forget about like bleeding nipples and sore boobs but the brain fog and everything else, like I don't, I I really do look back and go, how did I do that? The wild part of this story is that it was during that time when I had this great local TV job. I did love that morning show. I loved going on an assignment. I loved the thrill of it all, the challenge of it all, you know, every bit of being a new mom. But I did start to get the itch to leave around that time. So just thinking back to the first year of Orion's life, that's that was when I had the pull to move to LA and to give Hollywood a try. And who would have ever thought that, okay, 30, which by the way, sounds like old in Hollywood standards, a mom of two not even in like the best shape of my life, obviously. I just had a kid, but I had this pull that there was more and that my life wouldn't be living in that neighborhood at the end of the cul-de-sac where all the homes looked alike and frankly, most of the people looked alike. I felt unfulfilled and I felt like there was this really big world out there to discover. And I can tell you, And I do tell you, if you listen to this show, listen to the calling, listen to your feelings, listen to the pull, pay attention to your gut. And my gut was like, we got something else to do. And if anybody here knows my story, I mean, once my agent and I decided that I would try to get a job in California just for the thrill of it, for the fun of it, just to see what would happen, three months later, I got the call for me. I mean, I could do a whole podcast on that story because it is a pretty riveting one. But before I knew it, my whole family was packing up and on one of those super brutal, cold, snowy winter days when Orion was just shy of one year, we got the news that our lives would be forever changed and we were packing up and coming to Los Angeles. So regardless of what age you are, what stage in life you are, to revisit those memories of when Orion was born just reminds me 
that life is so fluid. It's so fluid. And what you are today, that ain't it. Your story isn't over. It doesn't have to be. So we are not married to to anything. You know, if you look around and you're taking inventory of your life and you're like, okay, did this. But, you know, if you have that urge or that curiosity or that passion, but you think, well, my life is this and it looks like this and this is my narrative. No, no. Every day is a new day. Every year, every decade can look so very different and the possibilities are endless and it really is up to you. I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back, but the odds were definitely against me. I mean, this was back before people barely had smartphones. And, you know, to get a job on national television that's global, seen around the world in hundreds of countries, for a little mama two at 30 years old, brunette, by the way, and no fake boobs, like getting a job on E, what? Like that was, no one would have believed me. Um, so with a little faith and a little belief and some encouragement and support of my mom and people saying, well, what do you have to lose? Like, we did it. We did it. We did it. And then life would never be the same. And wow, cut to 18 years later. And I'm sitting here in my Los Angeles studio talking to you guys. And my kids are about to spread their wings and fly. And yet here we go again. I, I feel like it's going to be another whole season. What is in store for me? Don't think I'll live in this house much longer. Don't think I'll live in this space much longer. So thanks for allowing me to, <laughs> to go down memory lane. I'm just, ooh, I'm not saying that all those years were easy years, okay? There were tears. There were trials. There was a divorce. There were no broken bones, knock on wood knocking on wood uh, for Orion. But, you know, I always say our kids teach us, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, yes, we of course are teaching our kids every day, but the things my children have taught me and man, have they kept me grounded and I am forever, ever, ever grateful. My proudest accomplishment of all those two young men. I have two grown men. Oh my God. So I'm going to turn it over to to someone at the beginning of her motherhood journey. It was so nice to be in conversation with Catherine. We get into what it's like for her to be a writer, what it's like to be a mom, and we get into mental health and the importance of, of that, especially when you've got such a full, full plate. And she very vulnerably talks about the parts of her personally that she is working on right now to continue her own growth. So good stuff here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Lots of love. Here is my conversation with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt. Have you guys tried Monday yet? What are you waiting for? I've been talking about drinking Monday all year long. And I have to tell you, I am feeling awfully great sans any booze for 30 days now as you are hearing this. If you're anything like me and you want more clarity in your life, you want to feel good, have a little pep in your step, but you like the look and feel of a cocktail, well, you're going to want to go to drinkmonday.co. I got a code for you. You have to try these drinks that look, smell, feel and tastes like a cocktail, but without the alcohol. I mean, how many of us have had one boozy drink too many? We wake up feeling like crap tomorrow. Maybe you didn't do a dry January. You can always do a dry February and you just want to cut back and you want to cut out all those negative effects of alcohol. Well, Monday's non-alcoholic craft spirits, they've got mezcal, they've got gin, they've got whiskey. I alternate between the gin and mezcal, to be honest, but they've got the look and feel, and most importantly, the taste of your favorite beverages so you can imbibe all those flavors again and again without the fear of the ill effects of alcohol, which guys, frankly, can be downright poisonous. I mean, let's call it what it is. 
Go to drinkmonday.co slash cat for 15% off your order. That's drinkmonday.co slash cat for 15% off your order. Not only are you going to love the taste of these non-alcoholic cocktails, but you're going to love the look of the sexy kind of art deco bottles. So you get all that luxury, kind of feels like a treat to have the drink, but without any of the negative stuff. Enjoy. How are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? It's a Monday as we're speaking. <laughs> it's, it's a Monday. Monday morning. It's gray in Los Angeles. It's a little it damp is. out. How How's your morning been so far? My morning has been great. I feel like it's like oh, I'm already halfway through the day because my youngest daughter, Eloise, is teething. So she was up a couple times last night and then, you know, up for the day bright and early. So, you know, that's always fun. <laughs> I am so excited because my book comes out really soon and I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm bringing my girls on my little book tour, which is going to be fascinating because I've not traveled with both of them and worked at the same time. So that'll be fun. And my mom and sister will come and help me. So that'll be great. How are you doing? Oh, so you've got some help. You know, I, I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. I'm coming off a, a, an odd ear infection, which I got out of the blue, which it was weird. I woke up to like blood in my ear. I've been a little under the weather the last couple days, to be honest, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, which is probably another reason it's good we're doing this remotely because I don't want to pass anything on to anybody. But I woke up today thinking about you because, you know, my kids are 21 Crazy. and my youngest is turning 18 this week. And so my mind is blown how fast it goes. And I was thinking, I woke up and I was like, you know, prepping for work, doing some emails, doing things. But I was like, I don't have two little boys anymore that are, you know, needing their diapers changed and needing their breakfast right. made for them. And I thought of you because I thought of all of the demands of moms with little ones in particular. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could tell when I asked you how you are and you're kind of like, <gasps> Exhale. You're like, the sleep is different. The mornings are different. Even just getting probably to your exact spot where you're sitting, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that like, I've always been an early riser. I'm a morning person naturally, which has really helped with being a mom and having little ones just because, you know, I like to get up before them. I saw someone say a, a year ago before I had my second daughter that being able to wake up on your own and not have like your kids wake you up or wake up to the sound of like a cry or something really changes the course of your day. And I could not agree more with that. So like I wake up myself by five, sometimes a little bit earlier. And then my girls kind of wake up Usually my younger one will wake up before my older one. And then we're definitely downstairs by seven. So it's like, you know, we're, we're going, but for me, it's like, it's the dream to be able to have an actual excuse to get into bed early <laughs> before everybody was like, gosh, you're like 45 years, years old than you're an 18 year old body. Like what is wrong with you? Why don't you want to go out? Why don't you want to party? And I'm like, I just don't like, it's just not for me. So yeah. So it works out well. <laughs> that does work out well. Uh, so your good night sister book is probably being read at 6 30 PM. And you're Literally 6 30. Yeah. 6 30. Really? Yeah. I put my, my first, I put Eloise, my youngest to sleep at like 6 30 between 6 30, 6 45. I'd start her bath and then I put her to sleep and then I go from her room and I walk into my daughter Lila's room and we do we read books and we have a whole, you know, bedtime routine where we're reading books and discussing all of her stuffed animals and her, you know, dolls that are the dolls of the moment. And then we go to sleep and I go to sleep very shortly after I like eat dinner with them at 5, 15, 5 30. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, you know what? You're setting really great habits because again, as someone like almost double your age, I feel like that's what we're being told now at midlife. It's like be in bed early, get up early. Cause it's all just actually, that's the healthiest way to live. You, you're optimizing your health when in turn, you're kind of taking care of yourself because you really have no other choice. Cause if you want to be good to your kids, you have to take care of number one. So yeah, I get it. For sure. 
So I have to tell you a little anecdote of a story. I studied journalism and was in broadcast journalism. And when I first graduated, a gift my mother gave me was your mom's book. So, you know, (laughs) Maria Shriver, of course, if anybody knows, we're talking way back in the, I think the the book was published like in 2000, but it was the 10 things I wish I'd known before I went out into the real world. And your mom's book for me was very much kind of like my Bible. I kind of kept tapping into her advice and like starting out in the real world. And she had such wonderful shares of encouragement and whatnot. I vividly remember my mom writing that book and then going on her book tour. And um, it was such a big book for her and also just for so many people who had, who were graduating at the time or who were given the book around that time and even after just it's it's definitely an important book and it was for her and I know it was for a lot of people who received the book to kind of get the reassurance that like you don't have to have it all together when you are graduating or when you're entering the real world and you know a lot of really comforting tips from my mom because she's you know very open and honest about her journey and her experiences and also like being totally open about the fact that like it might look like you have it all together, but you don't have to. And, you know, that you can really like take experiences and opportunities as they come and and know that there will be bumps along the way. And it's all about like, you know, moving forward. And I, I think that she did a really awesome job with that mm-hmm. book. She really, really did. It really, and and to your point, like there wasn't a lot at the time kind of giving us permission to to be vulnerable and understand that there is no such thing as perfect like you said and right. wow to 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 see and witness your mom creating and writing that book and now here you are five books later <laughs> Like, and and so much has happened, like, in the last 10 years. You are now married. You're a mother of two. This is your fifth book. So I'm thinking, wow, you're offering this new book. What was the impetus? Because you're in the middle of a pandemic. You have two kids under two. Like, you're breastfeeding. Like, your world must be just so full. And yet you chose to kind of birth this book also. What went into that? It's been, like, a crazy, amazing couple of years. I, you know, I got married. I was pregnant with my daughter, Lila, when I released my last book on forgiveness. And that week that I was in New York, which was like the last time I was in New York, I was, you know, newly pregnant with Lila and releasing my forgiveness book. And then three days into my book tour, the whole thing was canceled and we were in lockdown for COVID and we, you know, flew home right away. And um, two years later, three years later, I coming out with this book, which Again, my mom's calling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Wait, hey, wait, uh, should we answer it? Yeah. That would be full circle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wrote this book as a tribute to like my relationship with my sister, Christina. Her and I are super close and she's a year and a half younger than me. She always likes me to make sure that I say that we're 19 months apart. And my girls are a similar age difference. And I was writing this book before I had my second daughter and I was, you know, reading all these books with my daughter, Lila, and really getting into like a groove of a bed- bedtime routine and reading so many of the same books that Christina and I read with my parents growing up and just being able to reflect on so many of the memories that I had growing up that were shared with Christina and wanting to really create like a sweet children's book that was a tribute to our relationship and also the dynamic of our relationship, which was that even though she was my younger sister, I made her do everything first because I was always much more shy and timid and reserved. And Christina, when we were little, was always really bold and confident. And so I would be like, I'm not going to camp unless Christina goes first. I'm not going down the slide unless Christina goes first. And I just leaned on her so much for everything. And I still do today. But when we were little, I really just turned to her for so much support and strength. And that's kind of the dynamic of the two little girls in this book. I have my finally, I have my like actual copy, which I'm so excited to finally have. But just like the dynamic between the two girls in the book is very much that of the older sister leaning on the younger sister for bravery and support. And it's really sweet. And I'm really excited because it's all about sisterhood and that bond. So 
It's so sweet. It's so, Thank so sweet. You. I was able to get an advanced copy. The illustrations are so lovely. It Thank just, you. it's really warm and fuzzy. And the stuffies, I like yeah. all your verbiage <laughs> about like the stuffed animals. It, it's very nostalgic. I guess if you don't have little ones, like I'm not reading books the way I once was, you know, every night, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's something just so special about, I think, a, books in general anymore, right? Because right. so many people are on their phones all the time and we're carrying mm-hmm. devices and we're staring at screens. There's something just very beautiful about children's books in that time. Like what I imagine, you know, you're reading to your own children. Um, it's kind of like a really sacred bedtime thing to do. Like I feel like in my own memory, like that was such a time of bonding with my kids. It's just, it's when everything slows down. I have some of the most fondest memories of being in bed reading with my children. So what is that kind of like for you and your little ones? You mentioned that you you put them to bed at different times and obviously they're a little younger. So they're, you know, obviously <laughs> Eloise is probably like not getting books at least like like yeah, Goodnight Sister read yeah, to her she's yet. she's not reading, um, <laughs> she's not reading the books yet. She like, after I, I give her like a bath and then I, you know, do her whole, all of like the lotions and potions that I will like put on her and do that whole thing. She's like, okay, we're, let's go to bed. Let's, <laughs> let's nurse and let's go to bed. So yeah, so we haven't started doing books with her yet, but uh, with Lila, one of the things, like everybody always asks me what the most surprising thing is about motherhood and I feel like everybody just immediately jumps the sleep factor and like the multitasking and just like, you know, all those things. But the thing for me that was one of the most surprising things, which was one of the reasons that I even had the idea and the thought to write this book was that I was so surprised by how often I would be sitting with one of my girls and I would be reading them a book or just, you know, or nursing them or just sitting with them in the in the rocking chair and i would think so much about my own childhood and just being a kid and it was so surprising to me because i didn't expect that to be such a big part of becoming a mom and i've always wanted to become a mom i've always known that i wanted to be a mom like i've always my youngest brother christopher is 8 years younger than me and he was like my little baby, like I would dress him up. It was a whole thing. And I have always loved kids. And I was really surprised by how often, and I don't, I also don't know if it's just, you know, we're in such a culture where we're go, go, go. And then when you're sitting, you don't have your phone, you're sitting with your child and you're reading these books. So many of the books that you used to read when you were younger and you start thinking so much about like, Oh, when I was a child, I used to read the same book with my mom or my dad. And with my sister and with my brothers. And I would just be sitting there so much of the time with, you know, with Lila in my lap. And I would just be like, Oh my gosh, I, I would have this memory of like, Oh, I remember when I would read my book with my sister in my room and we would, you know, surround ourselves with our stuffed animals and just like laugh and giggle. And then all of a sudden you also have these really sweet memories. And then you also are like, Oh, I'm never going to be a little kid again. Like you have these like crazy And now I have my own children. So that was really surprising to me about motherhood. And it was really the inspiration for me writing this book was just like, I have so many of these memories with Christina and have such fun, you know, times where I think about all of the things that we did together as sisters and, you know, being so close in age and these adventures we had together and being playmates, you know, for so long and, of course, being so close now and playmate turns into something totally different and like a best friend as an adult, but just really being able to write a book that celebrated and honored that bond and that relationship that we had was my goal with writing this book. And there are so many times now where I'm just like sitting there and I just like think, oh, wonder what it would be like now if I could go back and like watch the four of us just like running around in the hallway Mm -hmm. as children and like my parents when, when we were younger, it's, motherhood is a wild thing and you know very well about it. It's like one of the the many things that you're just like, oh, that caught me off guard. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're constantly being surprised. Yes. Like it's just never ending every yeah. day, every minute, <laughs> every hour, it, 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 which actually speaking of being surprised and not knowing, I mean, that was one of the things I, I was listening to an 
an old podcast of yours after you wrote that first book, which was like 10 years ago. So yes. you were being interviewed as Catherine, the the person, not the mother, you know, yeah. not the mm-hmm. wife, not the, in just such a different time. And I was like thinking, wow, like to look back and you were talking a little bit then about how, you know, you, you like to, to plan and you like <laughs> to organize and like, maybe you attach to that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And now as a mother, like so much of that is just blown up. Right. Like no matter yeah. how much planning we do, no matter how much, you know, our intentions might be for one thing, like you kind of just have to let go a little bit. Have you have you changed in that sense since becoming a mother? I mean, I would like to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you ask my husband, he would say no. I mean, there are certain things that like you can't, you know, if something, someone doesn't take a nap or if, you know, someone needs to be, to go on a walk or to do things, you have to have flexibility in that sense for sure. So that I've definitely learned to get more comfortable with, like not going necessarily exactly at certain times. I try to be, if it's a meeting or if it's an interview or something that I'm doing that's at a specific time, I try to stick to that just because I I know as a parent now how precious time is. And also being respectful of people's time is just how I was raised. So that for me is super important still. But when it comes to like, oh, we need to leave the house today at 11 o'clock to make sure that if we want to go pick up some food and come home, like those kinds of things, I'm definitely more flexible with as far as like not being so specific about time. And then when it comes to organization or just like things in the house, you definitely have to have a little bit more of be a little bit more relaxed about those things when you have young children, just because there's so much stuff that gets moved around or gets picked up or gets played with. So, but I'm really excited that the other day I was in my daughter's room, trying Lila's room, trying to get her to go to sleep. And I was like, Hey, Lila, let's go. She was in her closet. I was like, what are you doing in your closet? And she's like, mommy, I'm organizing. I was like, yes. Ah! <laughs> I was like, you take as much time as you ah! want in that closet. You organize, oh, you do your thing. Gosh, so to see amazing. her, like, you know, kids at that age, it's like they just mimic everything that you do and everything that, that you say, they like will, you know, repeat it. So I have an amazing husband for a variety of different reasons. And one of them is that he, if I'm like, oh, we were supposed to leave at this time, he'll make like a joke or bring something really lighthearted into it. So I don't get as focused or stressed about keeping things a certain way. And uh, it works out very, very well in our relationship dynamic to have that kind of attitude between partners, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah. gosh, that's, that's invaluable yeah. for sure. Very helpful. I know that you always wanted to be a mother. You know, you've, you've said several times, like it was always my dream to be a mother. Now you have two kids and you touched a little bit on like what's been surprising and thinking more and more about your own childhood. What about the other stuff that isn't the most glamorous and that isn't the sexiest? And I, I know you have a series and for any young moms listening, you know, BDA, which is before, during and after, which I think is so helpful for for new parents to listen to. And, and you're talking with experts and you're you know really trying to put such wonderful information out there about all of the stages. Mm-hmm. But you're in the after right now. Mm-hmm. And now you've been at this twice. I mean, there's so much more, I think, today community and and you're an integral part of that of just the conversations people are having and the information shared i had a terrible first pregnancy i was on bed rest i had a couple procedures like it was very very daunting for me and i remember this was back in 2001 i mean we didn't have iphones i felt so alone. I remember because A, I had kind of the medical complications. I was living in San Francisco away from my family. And I remember I was like, at least we had the internet. I was like trying to find a random message board of like people to to confide in or to share information with. And I remember it just feeling so scary, honestly. Mm-hmm. But today things are are so very different. And I think it's also like everything from breastfeeding to mental health and postpartum and like the mental part of being a new mom, the the physical part, all of it. 
I think we've come so far, I guess, is my point. And I think that's wonderful. But as far as the after and being in it, I mean, you must have days, you are human, no matter how much planning you do, where it is overwhelming, or you do feel like maybe you're drowning. Like, how do you cope with those lower parts of this beautiful season of your life? Yeah, I mean, for sure, I have those moments 100%. For me, if I am around my family or my husband that can bring some light to a situation that always changes my mood and my perspective very quickly. When I was younger and just growing up, my younger brother, Christopher, always did that. He would always kind of, if he would see me get like tense or flustered about something, he would always make some sort of a joke. And instantly I would kind of just be like, okay, that's done. Like I, you know, it would shift my mood. So as a mom now, I definitely have, if I have moments like that, my husband does that really, really well. Again, my mom, my siblings, my dad, like anybody that I'm around that just knows me really well and can like shift a mood or a situation is very helpful. I also will just go outside and go on a walk. Like I'll put my girls in a stroller, I'll put one in a carrier and I'll just go outside. I feel like that is a really great way to reset if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling flustered, just to get outside or to just have some sort of movement or way to reset for yourself and also just anybody around you. And it's a great thing to be able to, of course, you know, we live in Los Angeles, which majority of the time has very nice weather. So to be able to get outside outside and just move your body and, you know, take in your surroundings is really helpful and being able to have practices in your day that allow you to set yourself up for success as best as you can. Of course, there are days where, you know, one of my kids will wake up really, really early and I won't start my day off as smoothly and that's totally fine and expected. And it's also about what can you do in the beginning part for me, since I'm a morning person, what can I do in the beginning part of the day to start my day off on track with a good intention for the day and try to put things in play that will allow me to have a successful, good day for myself and also for my family. So I really try to to do that every single day. And I think as a mom, for me, I'm, I think I try to put things into place ahead of time to just try to set everybody up for success and things don't go the the way that you want them to all the time. And that's understandable and normal and being overwhelmed. But I think just being able to try to have things in place as much as possible to try to set yourself and your family up for success is very important. Mm-hmm. Your mother, Maria Shriver, again, I know she's been such a, a force in your life. And to think about the fact that she raised four kids and, <laughs> and had this booming career Mm. and like juggled so very much. She's already called during this podcast. You guys are super (laughs) tight. I know you like still talk a lot. Most days, is it every day? I don't know. But, but how much is that relationship, that strong, close knit relationship with your own mother really served you? Well, we talk probably like three times before noon. So every day (laughs) for sure. Wow. But I mean, we have, you know, I'm really close to both my parents. I talk to my mom several times a day and uh, we have, you know, a family group text that we're on multiple times a day throughout the day. I see my siblings. I'm so, so grateful that I live so close to my sister, Christina, my brother, Patrick, my brother, Christopher. So we are, you know, constantly around each other, constantly seeing one another and to be able to see them all in the new roles of, you know, aunt and uncles and my parents as grandparents is really special because they'll each claim some sort of activity or time with my girls. If it's a music class, if it's, you know, a swim class, or if it's just taking one of them to the park. So it's really awesome to be able to see that. And of course, with my mom as well, I would say, When it comes to my mom, I am constantly in awe of her in general, and especially since becoming a wife and a mother, I have a whole newfound respect for my mom. I've always respected my mother, of course, and 
since stepping into these roles that she has done for so long and I'm new at, I, I would say that I have just additional awe. I'm in awe of her constantly. I reflect on my childhood at if I feel like, oh my gosh, how did she do that with four kids? And I look back and I'm like, she just did it so beautifully and effortlessly and always made us kids feel so loved, so supported, so accepted, and also always had fun. Like she was the most fun down to do whatever, down to go on any adventure, do any activity. And she just allowed us and provided us with, you know, alongside my dad, of course, a really fun, loving childhood. And as you said, she did that. She raised four children. She was an incredible wife and she had a huge career. She was first lady and she's like, she did so much. She was amazing daughter to my grandparents and is an amazing sister friend. So she did all of these different roles and she did them as as I watched her as a child, in my opinion, she did it. And I was just like, you don't seem overwhelmed at all. I'll say that to her now. And she'll be like, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> Trust me. Like <laughs> I had moments where I was very flustered and very overwhelmed, but she, she just mm. made it seem to the, to us kids that she was just having such an incredible time doing it. And, uh, I would say that I admire her ability to do that, to just allow for her kids to feel loved, supported, accepted, and to just have so much fun and allow us kids to have so much fun alongside her and to be so playful and such a a great mom. And I think that that's something that I really always think of since becoming a mom myself. Wow. (laughs) Three times before noon. And we need another book from your mom. I know. Like. I know. <laughs> we need, need like a, par- a parenting book from her. I mean, it's just exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. Your partner, your husband, again with two. I mean, I say this to everybody I know, you know, I have my my own siblings have, you know, young kids again. And I'm like, woo, like there's something <laughs> about kids under five and how critical the partnership is, especially I think during those years, because everything is swirling. Everything is, you know, can be chaotic. It's just so intense. There's Mm -hmm. no way around it. I know that you and Chris used to have something called God time where you kind of connect and get close. And are you still able to do that? Or is that a part of what you insist on to, to stay connected and close about family stuff? And what does that look like? For sure. I mean, we, you know, we used to do it just the two of us and now (laughs) there are visitors that we do it with in the morning. I mean, he's such an amazing husband and partner and also father. So when we used to have God time or do moments together in the morning to kind of set the tone of our day, we obviously didn't have little children running around us constantly or, you know, needing to, needing our attention as much, but I would say that now we really still try to prioritize that if it doesn't happen every single day at the beginning part of the day, that's okay. And if we have a window in the morning where that can happen and we bring our girls and we just sit together and just start the day together, or we have all three kids together, just being able to do something where we're really mindful and intentional about how we're going to start our day or how we are going to connect together, even if it's at the end of the day and that's, you know, the day starts off and it just crazy go, go, go. And then at the end of the day, we're able to connect and just touch base. I think it's really just about being able to have time in your day where you can connect with your partner, connect and just check in. That's really what it's about to be able to, you know, if that's doing something that is faith oriented or faith based if that's just checking in on a personal level just being able to factor in that time where you can check in with one another is super important especially when you have little kids but just in life in general because it's so much of the time especially when we have three kids with us it's who's in charge of who who's manning this person who's taking charge of this person so it's you know there's a lot of logistical things that go into organizing your day and being able to have time where you can just focus on one another is such a special time and such an important time to be able to stay clear on 
you know, what's important and making sure that the other person is good. How can they feel supported? We have really great communication and dialogue. And so, yeah, I think from very beginning, God time or just connection time has always been really important. And it still is a huge part of our relationship now. I think that is just so, so smart because, you know, people, it's like we put that type of energy or those systems in place for anything we really care about, our jobs or outside things and, you know, structures in place when we want something to succeed. And I think a marriage or a partnership is is no different. Like you've got to have that in place. It is that work that is required to get something to, um, not to get it to, but to just sustain it and to see it flourish. It's like you're, you're kind of feeding mm-hmm. the relationship by doing that. And yeah. it's just so, so smart. I think that's so wise. On a professional level, I'm so curious, you know, with with you and your book, like let's say Goodnight Sister and you're writing it, it's in all its iterations. And with Chris being an actor, you know, running lines and this kind of thing, do you connect on that level? Like, are you showing him different versions of the book and getting his thoughts and feedback? And is he still like show up in front of you running lines <laughs> for a movie? Or do you guys do that kind of thing together? I mean, I remember very early on in our relationship, he asked me to like read part of a script thing with him to go over lines. And very quickly, he understood that that is not <laughs> something that I'm good at only because like, I have a huge amount of respect for what he does. I used to see my dad do it when I was growing up. Of course, I sometimes when I start laughing, I can't stop laughing. So to ask me to do anything that is remotely serious where I need to act or do any, it's just, I'm terrible at it. So (laughs) he no longer asks me to do those things. (laughs) Um, He's very supportive of, you know, the process when it comes to like a children's book, for example, illustrations, getting perspectives on that and, you know, knowing that it takes time. I think people think, oh, it's a children's book. So it was probably super easy. And it's like, if you've done a children's book, you know, it is, it's, it takes so much time, so much energy and so much thought to make sure that the language is really great for children, that it's not how adults talk, that it's how children, you know, speak and, and digest information and making sure that the illustrations will be really captivating and interesting for children. So there's a lot of thought that goes into that. And I definitely ask people around me for their opinion and their thoughts on things and suggestions on certain things. So he's always been very supportive of that. And I try to be very supportive in any way that I can, except for (laughs) running lines. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, Catherine, you have 24 hours, kidless, completely unattached, free to do whatever you want to do. What does that look like? And do you see this as a gift or sheer torture? (laughs) It's actually crazy because I was recently talking to somebody about the fact that I have not done 24 hours without a child since I had my daughter, Lila. Like I haven't, I don't know if it's because we were in COVID when I had her, we were in the thick of COVID when I first had Lila. And and then I have, you know, had my second daughter, Eloise. And so I haven't been away from them since I had Lila. Like I, she's come with me everywhere. I've been with her since she's been born. And of course, same with Eloise. And so I don't even know what that would be like. I think I would be thinking about, of course, I'd be thinking about them and what they're doing in their days, probably the entire time. If I, I have so much fun with them and bringing them everywhere. I think that if it was, if I didn't have to think about times or schedules, I would probably what it would look like would probably be like going on a long walk in the morning with one of my girlfriends or my sister, or my family and my mom. And I would probably also try to incorporate horseback riding into my day because I love doing that. And now when I try to go do it, Lila wants to come with me, which is amazing. And also I'm like, okay, so now I have to make sure that either my mom or my sister is coming with me because I can't ride and watch you. So there are more like logistical things, which is, you know, it's amazing to have her come with me. And also you need to make sure that there's somebody that's coming with you. So I'd probably do that. And then I probably just want to do something really relaxing that would just make me feel really well rested and 
re-energized and then probably close out the day with getting a meal with my husband that would still put us in bed at like eight. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing time. There are a couple of times, even in the last month where I've been like, I've looked at my clock and I'm like, it's 745. I can't be in bed yet. This is just like, there's like, but, but yes, I can yeah, at the same know, time, you right? Can. You can do it. Yes. And, and it's so great. Cause you just feel Sorry. like, like sometimes my brother will text me and he'll be out with his friends. My youngest brother will be out with his friends. And, and then the next morning I'm just like, do you feel well rested now? No, you don't. I know. Yeah. I know. So. I know. You're like, Let me just ask you lastly, on this show, it sure is a beautiful day in particular. So much of our episodes have have morphed into personal growth. And we talk a lot about meditation and spirituality and these kind of things. And just the parts of ourselves, if we're being vulnerable, like what we're working on personally for our own personal growth. Mm-hmm. So for you, is there is there any part of you that you're really tuned into right now that you're focusing on, that you're working through or working on to be your best self? Oh my gosh, all the time. I feel like the moment that you hear people say this all the time, but the moment we stop trying to work on ourselves or try to grow or do things better, it's like, you know, why stop doing that? It's like, there's no room to to do better, to be better. I think for me, I, I'm a huge advocate, of course, of therapy and prayer. I start, you know, my day, the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning is I thank God for allowing me to wake up for having all these blessings in my day and for allowing me to, you know, put my feet on the ground in the morning. And I think that's really important. And it's something that, you know, my mom had always done growing up and still does. And I think it's such an important way because, you know, it's not guaranteed that we get to wake up and that we get to feel good and that we get to sit up and stand on our feet and walk And so I am always, I try to be really mindful and grateful of that. We're still in the new year. I really like to start every new year with taking inventory of last year and being able to set goals and intentions for this year of what I can do better, what I need to work on for myself. And I think for me, it's, I want to work on being more present, being okay with things not going a certain way or not going the way I had intended them to go and trying to have more fun. Because I think for me, becoming a parent in the pandemic really, for me at least, I think it affected everybody in different ways, but it definitely gave me a lot of anxiety about making choices in my day that would be smart and would protect my family and my kids. And so I definitely want to have new experiences, do things that, you know, are really fun with my girls, with my family, with my husband. And when it comes to just working on myself, I think trying to not be as structured or as specific with my time, being okay with being, I guess, doing things on a little bit of a whim, which is not me at all, but I think I, I want to do more of that. And just trying to be as present as possible in all parts of life. And that's really important as a mental health capacity to be able to do that and to have friends in a support system that will be honest with you about certain things. So I would say all of those things, I definitely want to be a work in progress. And for me, the big ones are be present and have more fun. I definitely want to. I have a ton of fun anyway. Like I will say this, I have a ton of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And also I want to do, I think, I think it's just doing more adventurous things that I would probably be a little bit more. I'm naturally a little bit more thoughtful and mindful of every single thing, but I think probably doing things that are like, yeah, sure. Let's go do this. Let's do, you know, that yes. kind of a thing. I want spontaneous, a spontaneous bit. and try not to be planning everything all the time. Cause it kind of takes like the fun out of so much. Yeah. So I think I want to just yes. do that. Thank you for sharing all of that and, and, and being open about that because I mean, that's half the battle, right? Is 
identifying and being honest with ourselves, like what it is we need to yeah. work on. Yeah. And so many people are just even in denial about their own stuff. So you, it sounds like you've, you've identified it mm-hmm. and you're working on it and, and that's beautiful. That's Thank all you. of us. Right. And that is life. That is the, the journey. Like we're all on in our own way on yeah. our own paths. True. Well, congratulations on the book. Thank you. February 7th is when it comes out officially and we're doing a little book tour, which we have up on my Instagram and also on my website and um, a couple of fun little kid book signings and events and things like that. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. So nice chatting with you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.